line. That's the bottom line. Yeah, that's the bottom. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom. That's the bottom. That's the bottom. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom. So we're here. We're in New Orleans. We're at this opioid youth summit, and um, you know, for us, the most important part of our process in trying to reach these young people is always the families, the parents who have paid this awful price and um, and are really the biggest advocates for change. I, I mean, to me, crusaders, heroes, I, they, you, can't, you can't really encompass what, what it is when a person goes through such an unbelievably painful and difficult experience, one that they will probably never get over, and they choose to take that experience and try to help others learn from it and trying to help others to make a better choice for themselves. And so, um, yeah, I can't even, you know, I travel around the country and um, and I try to put on a, you know, I try to put on a happy face, you know, and I try to be upbeat and I try to be uh, excited and, and we're trying to reach kids. And, um, but I know thousands of people that have buried their children, thousands of people. And, uh, I don't know. I don't want to make like, it's, I haven't had the experience. Thank God. Right. Um, but it's, it's almost too much to bear sometimes for me. So I can only imagine what it is for you. Right. Um, Today we're here with, I don't know, somewhere in the area of about 5,000 kids, right? And for us, this is the most important part of the process. This is what makes it real for these kids, right? We stand up there and we tell them, if you do this, this could happen, right? But until they see it, until they see people stand up there and they go, oh my God, she looks just like my mom, or they're I recognize that picture or, you know, like it makes it real for them, right? It makes it real for them. And um, I can't begin to express my gratitude to each of you for your willingness to come out and to share your story. And I know that, I don't know if it's, if it's cultural, if it's regional, if it's, you know, different communities in different areas handle things in different ways, but I know there's many, 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 many more families that have had this tragedy happen to them in this area of the country because if it wasn't, we wouldn't be here. The DEA picks the locations of these events based on the overdose data. So we know this is an area that is one of the worst in the entire country based on the fact that we're here, right? They, they put these resources here for that reason, right? And... Um, you know, there's, there's a still, as, as much as this is such a mainstream, everyday in, issue for people, it's in the news every day, you know, we just had a, the, our last election cycle, Democratic, excuse me, Republican National Convention, and politicians are up there saying, I lost my child, so, I mean, that's as mainstream as you can get, right? That's like... This thing affects everybody, right? And um, I'm just, 
I'm just sorry that there's still so much stigma attached to this thing. And that's, that's my, my number one goal besides educating children is to, is to crush the stigma that people, um, you know, they, 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 they want to say that there's some other reason except that the world is the way the world is and that people are broken and people are trying to medicate themselves or people are being lied to and misled. You know, I, I know for a fact that the pharmaceutical companies started this epidemic for money, for a, for a dollar, right? We've lost hundreds of thousands of people for a dollar, right? And, um, and now it has morphed into this heroin, fentanyl. I mean, fentanyl is just the scariest thing ever. I just had the head of the DEA in here, and he's like, we had to retrain every DEA agent to handle and to be the, for the fear of them coming in contact with this drug. So um, I want to thank you. I want to, I want to, I want you to know that how much we appreciate you being here and sharing your lives with us, really, and um, and how important it is to these young people. Mm-hmm. What I'd like to do is if we can just go around and if you can introduce yourself and just tell us the name of your loved one that you lost and. Um, yeah, and we'll just start. We'll just start there, and I just ask you to speak up because the microphones are kind of directional, so I can move this one a little bit, and we can move that one a little bit. But you just if you speak up, the camera will also get you too. So why don't we just start right here, and you tell us your name? Okay, my name is Deborah Martin. Um, my son is Jamal. That's J A M A A L Martin. He was forty. Um, we live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. He died of a heart attack due to the use of opioids. Mm. Thank you. My name is Gwen Knox. I'm also from Baton Rouge, Louisiana. My son, Brian Knox, died December 30th, 2015 in Metairie. I, matter of fact, just had an opportunity to meet the coroner mm. uh, from Jefferson Parish, the parish he died in. Um, my deal is a little bit different because I immediately went on this thing of finding a way to, I couldn't let his death be in vain. Mm. And the first thing I did was found a group to help parents who were dealing, and that was PAL, Parents of Addicted Loved Ones. Those parents who don't know how to deal, because I didn't. Mm. I didn't know that it was a disease. So I didn't treat it as one. Right. Okay. And as a result of that, I ended up doing a grief support group now in Baton Rouge for those who've lost someone to addiction. Matter of fact, Deborah was in, in the group. Um, the death of my son uh, has turned me into an activist. I refuse to allow his death to be in vain. And I think I've been given those skills and doors have opened for me to be able to speak and do whatever I can uh, to let people know that you can lose someone and you can still volunteer and help and make a difference, and that is what my life has done. And I'm just so grateful for this road that I am on and the strength that Holy Spirit has given me, that whenever I fall, there's a hand there to reach and 
pick me up. Thank I'm you grateful so much. for the opportunity. That'll that'll continue to push over if you just push it, I think. And then we'll use this one and I'll go that way. Um my name is Regina A. Bear and my son is Dylan McClendon, D Y L A N. Um Dylan was he graduated from inpatient rehab September fifteenth of two thousand eighteen and September sixteenth, twenty eighteen. We allowed him to um well they encouraged us to try out a sober living home before he transitioned back into full time living at home. Uh, Dylan, his addiction was alcohol and benzos. Had never been introduced to heroin before. Um, his housemates had and had been using, unbeknownst to us. Mm-hmm. Two days before Thanksgiving, this past Thanksgiving, um, they his housemates went and made a purchase and somehow got it back into the sober living home and introduced it to him for the first time and he tried it and he died so it's real it is real um a kid overdosed in the sober living home the night before uh one of the kids that brought it back in he lived but he brought it back in the next night had he been evicted like he was supposed to be, like we were told um, that would happen, he would have been evicted that morning um, after he overdosed the night before. It might have not gotten back into the sober home. We don't know. Um, we don't know. So 10 short months ago, they uh, found the dealer, and he is incarcerated, Facing second degree murder charges. So we're making um, forward, slow progress. Well, thank you so much for being here. Yep. We're going to go this way with this one. Um, my name is Karen Morgan. Um, my son is Jonathan Morgan, uh, J O N A T H A N. Um, He was a freshman at LSU, um, and he passed away April 8th of 2017. Um, You know, just just a great kid, and so many ways, um, had a great circle of friends, was just loved by family and friends and teachers, and I would have never in my life thought that I would be walking in these shoes. Um, but he had gone to LSU, and, you know, as all kids, they go with a mindset of it's going to be a fun time, independent time away from home, um, you know, drinking and partying, and um, first semester was pretty wild, and, um, you know, he had come home quite a few weekends, and everything looked okay. Um, came home for Christmas holidays, and everything was even better, Uh, He was very focused on school, and I spoke to him the day before he was supposed to come home for spring break, and um, he said he was staying at home, he was in his room playing his guitar, and 
The next morning, I tried calling um, to, to see if I was going to pick him up, and the phone just rang and rang and rang, and come to find out the friend that he is, was with the night before had also spent the night there and woke up to him, which we believe was to my phone call, and decided to leave Jonathan. Mm. And um, I believe, because I think evidence points in that direction, that he was left unconscious. And by the time the coroner and the EMT got there, it was about 1230, and um, he was pronounced dead at that time. I had also asked to see him before they took him away, where I went up to his room and they unzipped the body bag and, you know, he, he was not purple. He, there was no evidence that he had been gone for that many hours. A little bit of tinge of purple in his lips and that was it. And so that, kind of going on what um, you had said about being an advocate, I could not believe that the person who was with my son was able to leave him and go back home and not be brought down to the station for questioning. Um, and so, kind of make a long story short, we worked with um, the state representative to pass a law that um, was called the duty to assist. So the Good Samaritan law basically protects you if you are in the presence of someone doing a wrongdoing as well as you, um, but the duty to assist holds you accountable um, for, for leaving someone behind. And, you know, I believe a simple 911 phone call would have saved my son's life. And at that point, you know, Narcan could have been given. And, mm. you know, they, they found um, in his toxicology reports, um, there was nothing lethal in his system, but it was a, an amount of cocaine, but the cocaine was laced with heroin. And we mm. believe that that, that interaction is, is what killed him. And I do believe, and I know that child has to live with that for the rest of his life, and, you know, that, is, that saddens me, but I, I, I just feel like the message needs to get out there that you, you are going to be okay, but call 911 when someone is in distress or unconscious, or even if you think they've already passed, because there have been stories that have been told Narcan is administered, and it, it, it does um, bring them back. They and try on mine, so just assumed he was gone. Exactly. I'm Mary Ellen Jordan from Covington, Louisiana. My son Graham passed away January 29th, 2017, three months before Jonathan at LSU. And um, the toxicology shows that he... Um, he got some Xanax tainted with fentanyl. He had a lethal dose of fentanyl in his system. I didn't even know what that was until I got his report. And LSU doesn't seem too concerned that fentanyl was on their college campus, but anyway, he died on campus. Um, so we're trying to work with the state, um, the Department of Health to get Narcan on. LSU's campus and state universities, and hopefully, um, you know, we can get that done. But, uh, you know, more needs to be done so the kids don't even start doing mm -hmm. it. Or that's, yeah. Celeste Walther, W-A-L-T-H-E-R, and my son is Dylan. He died um, March 2017. 
2018. Um, he was very smart and thought he could control the drug, and he knew exactly what amounts to put in him, but it was, um, it controlled him, and it took him away from me and his brothers and his children, and then it took his life. Um, but he thought he could control it, and he couldn't. Um, you know, we, we talk about stigma. We talk about, um, you know, a guy put it to me this way one time. We were talking, and we were, so I was on fire and, like, fully 100% committed to this fight. And I sat down, I was talking to this guy, and I said, and he was like, yeah, you know, nobody cares, man. That's what he said to me. He said, nobody cares. And I said, excuse me, I was offended. Everybody I know cares. He goes, yeah, but he goes, look. And he pulled out the latest Gallup poll, right? We were in an election cycle. And he said, do you see addiction on here anywhere? And I had to be honest, I didn't see it. He said, nobody cares until it happens to them, right? He said, you know, you people, right? Because that's what he was calling me. You people, right? You people want people to look at this like a disease, right? You want them to understand that it's a disease. But, you know, it's like if a, if a person goes out and tells their neighbors or their friends, my child has cancer, people bring you a casserole. People cut your lawn. They wash your car. They take you to the grocery store, right? Um, they, 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 they feel for you. Right. And then if you tell them my child is a drug addict, right, uh, they close their shades, lock their doors, tell their kids to stay away from you, avoid you in the supermarket like somehow it's contagious. Right. People. Um, I, and I know I promise not to use foul language, but please take your heads out of your asses, please. OK, before you end up sitting somewhere holding a picture of your child. Right. Stop it, okay? This is a disease. This is a, a, a conspiracy, right? We were conspired upon by these pharmaceutical companies, right, for money, right? We were lied to. We were misled. We were bamboozled into believing this was a wonder drug, right? This pain medication was a wonder drug. And make no mistake about it, that's where it started, okay? We hear about our southern border. We hear about China. We hear about all that stuff. That's all very real. But they didn't create this. They just capitalized on the opportunity. They saw a marketplace. They said, oh, my God, all these people are on this stuff. We got to get a piece of this action, right? But it was homegrown. It was started right here by people like the Sackler family, right? And I'm going to call you out every time. Make no mistake about it. I'm going to call you out. I got to do it, Okay. People like that that were more concerned with making money than the lives of American people. Children. And I'll bang on the table if I want. So, ladies, I want to thank you. I want you to know that um, your efforts are so appreciated. And, uh, and I, can, I, I encourage you to continue to stay out there on the front lines, right? It's going to take a Herculean effort to change the way things are, right? And um, 
your your story has depth and weight. Your story has a real impact on people. It makes it really real for people. And um, and I I uh, I appreciate you. I want you to know that you'll be in my prayers. I want you to know that um, the lives of the children that have been lost will not be in vain. That every time you step out of your house to speak to somebody else, every time you step into a state representative's office or a senator's office or whatever it is that you do, right, makes a difference, right? It makes a difference. And uh, I'm so glad that, uh, you know, this thing doesn't discriminate. It doesn't matter how much money you got. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter the color of your skin or the language that you speak, right? It does not matter, right? And we need to do all that we can, and we need to lift each other up, and we need to love each other. And uh, I appreciate you all, and uh, God bless you, and thank you for, for being part of our Opioid Youth Summit here. Thank you. That's the bottom line, that's the bottom, 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 that's the bottom.